On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Asia's Asia. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends, Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter, as we continue past the first part of the Yes catalog and follow Steve Howe and Jeff Downs into the formation of Asia. How is it that Wetton was in Yes, including Steve Howe, Bill Bruford, Jeff Downs, Alan White, Billy Sherwood, and Peter Banks? Peter Banks? It must have been one of those, like, one-off weird performances somewhere. Wetton had a long career as an in-demand session bass player, collaborating with many members of progressive rock bands such as Yes including Steve Howe, Bill Bruford, Jeff Downs, Alan White, Billy Sherwood, and Peter Banks. Huh. Huh, are you reading this on, uh, on a wiki? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, John Wetton was freaking everywhere. It's well, amazing. yeah, so... And so was so his colon. Oh, geez. Uh, so, so, so I, I think this is... You know, like, I don't know that he ever played in Yes, but I think he did play with all of these people in oh. one way, shape, or form or another. He did play with all of these people. I, th- I think that's what it is, Paul. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, you know, you guys are kind of jumping the gun here, which is really cool. I love it. One of the reasons why I really, really wanted to talk about Asia is because Asia is like, the nexus of the incestuous progressive rock family tree. Everything kind of comes together in the the few years around 1982 in Asia. It is amazing where all mm. the threads go. It just, it boggles my mind. Besides the fact that, quite honestly, I just, I, I like these four guys working together for whatever reason. Yeah. The um, you know, it's funny that you say the the family tree, Joe, because uh, there's actually a YouTube video that's called the Progressive Rock Family Tree or something like that, and it. Rock Family Trees, the Prog Rock Years, full-length version. So there is actually, like, somewhere out there, you can download a PDF that actually has a family tree written of, like, all of these bands. But this this 50-minute video spans the careers of, like, Yes, um, Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer, and possibly... Uh, I think yes, and um, yes, Emerson, Lake Palmer, and uh, King Crimson, and it like culminates to Asia, and then uh, and then it just I think it just goes just beyond that. Um, but it was fascinating to watch. There's some really good stuff on there, and um, some really cool stuff about Asia that I didn't know. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that, but I can imagine it's fantastic. The first place I came across. And I'm assuming it's the same family tree. Was there was there was two pages in the large booklet that came with the Yes Years box set yes. that had a the family tree. And uh, I've always wanted to get the entire work, but it's uh, it's fantastic. It's very special stuff. So yeah, Ken. Oh, there's got to be a song in here somewhere. I, I like "Owner of a Lonely Moment" because it's like. There's got to be like a way to join those two tunes. They do like. A, <laughs> I, 
this, owner of a moment or uh, this, heat of this, the lonely. Oh, you guys are you're. This is why I love this because it's like we haven't we really haven't talked about Asia at all, and we're all in exactly the same spot. It's it's spectacular. Let me let me give the uh, the lead in, and then we can just kind of go through this because you guys are you've got me really amped up now, and it's it's exciting. All right, so we'll start off with uh, the the self self titled debut of Asia, released in 1982, produced by Mike Stone, uh, released on the the label Geffen. The band lineup. Um, was John Wetton on lead vocals and bass guitar, Jeff Downs, keyboards and vocals, Steve Howe, guitars and vocals, and Carl Palmer, drums and percussion. The blurb states, Asia is the self-titled debut album by English rock band Asia, released in 1982. According to both Billboard and Cashbox, it was the number one album in the United States for the year 1982. It contains their biggest hit, Heat of the Moment, which reached number four in the U.S. on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. So, there you go. Wow. And, it, you know, it's, it's funny. Every time you read about, about Asia, you know, they're labeled as a progressive rock supergroup. And, I mean, I, you know, certainly three-fourths of them were. Jeff Downs had been in progressive rock for, you know, what, about three years at this point? And he had made one album with, with, uh, with Yes. But, you know, as we talked about on the drama episode, there is this sort of Goldilocks quality about Jeff Downs. And, you know, he plays just enough notes to be interesting, but not so much it's overwhelming. And I think he fit really, really well into this particular group. Now, you know, in trying to do some research for this, I was looking at, um, you know, I was trying to find out some information, and I, was, I looked at a couple Steve Howe interviews. And, you know, there are there are lots of different stories surrounding the formation of Asia. Now the way it was traditionally relayed was that drama was made, the tour was done, um, and Steve and Jeff wanted to go form Asia with John Wetton. Okay? And that was the story I'd always heard because I always came at it from a yes perspective. Reading further, and you guys probably saw this too, and, and the way Steve presented it in this one interview was actually Steve and John Wetton hooked up first and they were going to do a a guitar trio with just Carl Palmer and Steve Howe said no you, we got to bring Jeff in this will be this will be perfect cool then you know there are the stories running around of Trevor Rabin being wanting to be in yes or in in Asia and I haven't quite figured out all of that because I, I, you know, the way I've heard Trevor speak about it in interviews and Trevor always, you know, he says, well, yeah, you know, my management or my, my record label wanted me to be in Asia. Um, he's quoted somewhere in, in the wikis about saying, you know, the reason nothing ever went with me in Asia was because there wasn't any chemistry in the band. Um, but then there was there was another one that I, I read just this evening that suggested that the original Asia lineup was supposed to be, and this was around 1980, so this would have been, you know, while drama was still doing their thing, and it was supposed to be Wetton, Palmer, Rabin, and Rick Wakeman. So... Chew on that one for a while. Wow. Well, I think... So, you know, this is somewhat new to all of me, all of these great things that you're saying. Uh, but but uh, really, I do think from what I pieced together from another interview is that, that I saw, which is this um, uh, Rock Family Trees, the progressive years, 
it, it, it seemed like there was some force around Geffen Records, which what I read is it's this John Kalodner person who was, you know, had his fingerprints on a lot of stuff through the 80s and probably, you know, around or beyond that. And, and, I, and, you know, every time you talk about, you hear the story of how Trevor Rabin got to, to be in Yes, you know, there's always this tale about how his record company was basically constantly shopping him to be in this group and that group and all of these different all of these different people so it kind of makes sense like if the folks at geffen records were trying to put to you know trying to put together some sort of progressive rock band to cash in uh that all of these individuals could have been you know part of the uh consideration for it and um the, the thing that I found interesting in the Steve Howe interview on this family tree thing was that he said that after the drama tour that, you know, Trevor didn't want to be in the band anymore and Alan and Chris decided they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to continue on. And, you know, Steve said that for a moment, you know, he was sitting there and it was, you know, he and Jeff Downs, they, they were going to be yes. And, they considered, you know, what do we do? Do we do we continue on as yes? And and then they decided that that no, that wouldn't that wouldn't be a good thing. And and then he simply says, you know, and then the opportunity, you know, was was came to do Asia. And then the other thing that I never knew and you know, and through all of this is that that Asia, you know, wasn't wasn't just a hey, let's put a super group together and and you know, and they struck gold. The, it was completely put together to take progressive rock stars and make it commercial. And they, you know, they were very much trying to become a top 40 band, you know, with these, with these uh, progressive rock superstars, if you will. And they did it. They were very successful. And it's just, it's fascinating how all of this comes together. And I think when you look at, you know, what was going on in terms of, you know, the progressive rock bands around this time and, you know, the whole AOR thing and, and like you said, labels trying to sort of create, you know, bands and, and sounds and music, it, um, you know, it, it's not completely out of line with you know with with that but and one of the things that that just strikes me about this album you know as we were kind of gearing up for this and and Ken I'm I'm looking for you to sort of balance out my opinion here but okay I just love it I I honestly do I'm I'm struck by you know it it really doesn't sound dated to me at all and it's not <laughs> see there you go i mean well, <laughs> let, let's let's say it's still this is why we need video joe because you have to capture that expression that ken's making right now <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i just it, when you when you compare this and maybe maybe this is a damning statement i'm about to make but when you compare it to, um, you know, when they reunited in 08 for Phoenix, I mean, it's like those those albums could have been made two years away from each other, not, you know, 20 or 25 or whatever the case may be. So, you know, is it, was it was it created to be palatable? Yes. Do I buy into it? Absolutely. I'm a sucker. Call me what you will. But I just, I don't know. I, I dig it. I dig it a lot. I love I love Wetton's voice. I think Wetton's voice is just spectacular. Um, I, I said I've I've developed a real appreciation for Jeff Downs and you know being appropriate, you know, in, in whatever way that, that means. And I just find it fascinating giving given all of the time and thought and comparison that I've put into Steve Howe versus Trevor Rabin and everything else. And 
I mean, Steve Howe's, you know, his, his sound and his playing is, it's not, it's not, yes, Steve Howe. It's a different beast altogether. It's, uh, it's amazing. So that's my sort of gushing preamble. Ken, please. 64 conversations, maybe more, coming out of what we've covered. Um, whether or not we like Asia on the whole, um, where we, you know, maybe lose Asia going from um, album one to album two, and then I they apparently kept making albums after that that I had trouble listening to. Um, we should cover some of that. Um, we, 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 we should cover uh, who was working with who and who was fired at what time over what, because that's really, really juicy. Um, Wetton's voice is an entire conversation all in itself. If you look back at King Crimson, and even between album one and album two, Wetton's voice is a little different. His, his effort is a little different. I think the recording technique is a little different. And uh, uh, beyond that, yeah, how they got together. What did you say? Twenty-five years later. So that's yeah. that. Th that's interesting too. So I, I saw so many conversation starters uh, <laughs> coming out of that. So I don't know, Paul. Why don't you? Why don't you pick one of those? What? 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 What, <laughs> what do you think is the most productive? Well, I, I'd like to talk about. I'd like to start with the the music because I I have to. You know, I just want to respond to what you said. Do we like it as a whole? Do we like like to to me? I, this first album came out. I was twelve, and I was. I think I had just started buying records through Columbia House Records. Right? Oh, you know, those were the good old days. And so I got this album on vinyl and i i have this incredible memory of of being in my bedroom listening to this on a friday evening and i was actually disappointed because i was getting ready to go to the warrington roller rink for an evening of roller skating mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and i was listening to asia and thinking I really just want to sit here and listen to this album for the rest of the night. And they're not going to play any of these songs at the, ro the, the um, roller rink. Like I'm not going to hear um, heat of the moment or only time will tell at the, um, at the roller rink. And, and it's just funny that I actually remember that. And, you know, Joe, you're right. It's, it's so different from, it's so different from the yes stuff. And it's even even drama. Well, except for of course the opening segment of Wildest Dreams. That's strangely <laughs> just like drama. Um, strangely like it. But like the music is still fantastic, and I think that's really what was you know drawing me. At, you know, at that young age, like there was still interplay between um, the keyboards and guitars and harmonies happening. There was there were there were um, you know modulations with the same melody through the song um that went through transitions and albeit they didn't go on for five minutes and change every instrument and you know come come you know completely overtake the song but the finesse that was you know and that that would be the word that i would use it was like they took all of that progressive rock know-how and they finessed these really you know poppy songs and and they were they were terrific, and you can you can go right down the 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 first Asia album, and you know it is there's nine tracks that are just solid and they're great, and um and I and I love this album and every time I listen to it I think man when I was digging it when I was twelve I totally loved it. And I had no idea why, you know, I know these guys were like some big, you know, from other bands that I didn't really know about at that point in time in life. I know the whole Steve Howe catalog with Yes. Um, and I go back and I listen to it with that frame of reference. You really hear like how, how finesse these songs are and, and, and how good they really are. So I, I, I love that stuff. 
I, I think, you know, what you're describing there is, you know, it goes back to this idea that, you know, anyone, virtually anyone can make a pop song. Um, but if you have really accomplished musicians who understand, you know, structure and tone and all that other business, you know, if you can keep them interested long enough to make, you know, pop songs, they can do it better. Mm, yeah, totally. And even when you listen to the guitar solo of Heat of the Moment, it's still that nasally, like, wanky Steve House sound. It's perfect, but it's arranged so nicely, and I think that goes directly to your point, uh, Joe, right there. I, you know, and, and one of the things that I find funny about this, and, and we talked about this last episode with drama as well, you know, everyone makes the big production about, you know, Trevor Rabin joining Yes and Owner of Lonely Heart taking Yes into the into the modern era and everything else. But, you know, Steve Howe had already done it twice. He did it on drama and he'd done it here. Yeah. You know? Say that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> what did Howe do on drama that he's doing here? He... So, so the big thing is, you know, with owner um, with nine hundred one two five, that yes, sort of reinvented themselves in in the modern world, as it were, and became mm -hmm. more accessible. I made the argument in the drama episode that yes, had already tried to do that with drama. The difference was no one accepted it because no one, you know, seemed to like Trevor Horn as ridiculous as that seems. Well, so, yeah, but I don't, I don't know that it was. I don't think drama from a commercial and accessibility standpoint was executed quite the same way that Asia is. No, no, it's it's not nearly as as blatant or obvious, but it is decidedly different from going for the one tomato anything else. Um, yeah, that know, is true. So, so Steve Howe had already sort of reinvented the yes sound. It didn't go anywhere. Then Steve Howe goes and makes a truly wonderful, successful commercial record that comes out a year before 90125 comes out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, but you're, you're suggesting, I mean, Wetton and Downs wrote most of it, and Howe was doing what I call interludes. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give Steve the next 25 seconds here, and then the rest of the song is ours. You know, and that's interesting given the story that Asia began with Howe and, and Wetton working together. But you're right, Ken. All of the, the writing credits are Wetton Downs. Mm. Most of them, yeah. Which, again, goes back to, you know, and, and I, I mentioned this when we were talking about the age of plastic with the Buggles. Jeff Downs stands out on that. You can tell that, you know, for for what that album is supposed to be, that Jeff Downs is more than that. And, you know, here again, I think this is, it, it's, you know, Jeff seems to have this, and it's, it's the same thing I keep saying about him, with his playing and apparently maybe with his songwriting. He has that ability to sort of balance out accessibility and, and making it interesting. So I'm, I'm becoming a, a huge Jeff Downs fan through this exercise. About it. Uh, who produced the debut Asia album? It's funny. It's I, Mike Stone. Mike Stone has quite a resume. I don't have my notes on him with me right now, but I want to say Mike Stone worked with a bunch of people. It's funny that you asked that question at the exact time, Ken, that I was like clicking back to Wikipedia to see if I could find that out. Because it, it popped into my head exactly when you asked. Um, yeah, so Mike Stone produced the first three. Um, although the third one, Astro, was produced by Mike Stone and Jeff Downs. 
And wow. then that, yeah, so so you know, by the time Astra came around, Jeff Downs was really starting to sort of you know come into his own. I think. Do you guys have up the list for Mike Stone yet? Because I want to say, oh my goodness, he worked on Nursery Crime as a tape jockey. Yeah. Wow. I can't think of a better job ever. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we finally got to co-produce um, a couple times in like, yeah, 81, he got to co-produce April Wine, but it looks like his producer credit, this is his producer debut, this, this album, that's a really good debut, isn't it? It really yeah. is. Well, he was engineer on Night at the Opera and most of everything by, by um, Queen. Queen. And he mixed the Paul Stanley uh, and Peter <laughs> Chris solo. Isn't that awesome? Oh, he produced Escape, Journey's Escape. There you go. He, um, also, he, he did the next Journey album, didn't he? Frontiers. Frontiers, yeah. He did both of them, yeah. Um. Which is which is when you think about it, like if you want if you want to bring the the powers of progressive rock together and make them commercial, why not get the guy that just produced, you know, truly one of the classic albums of of you know, a generation escape. I mean, you, you have to you can't deny that 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 album's impact on uh, pop music. I won't argue its impact and it has nothing to do with here, but I will tell you that for me, Journey has not aged well at all. I can't listen to any of it. Oh, oh dude. That's wow. not about Asia. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. <laughs> I mean, well, no, Wenton's got a great voice. There are many, many redeeming factors. Um, all right, give me a moment here just to throw this in before we, 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 we lose the opportunity. But um, th there's definitely uh, a musicality towards the, in the debut album that really highlights Wetton's bold, gruff voice. And he just resonates and it's really good. But I found that by the second album, he was singing in a higher register and it's not quite the same thing. It's a little more... Shouty, Richie, and did, did uh, Finn? Did you guys catch any of that in the listenings? I, I don't know that I had thought about it explicitly, but now that you mention it, it does seem kind of obvious to me. And I think that carries through even more in the third album. And what really brings that home again, because I listened to. I listened to the first three and then Phoenix sort of in preparation for this. And with Phoenix, now granted, he was, you know, 25 or six years older at that point. But it's, I think, I think if you go and listen to that, his, his delivery is much closer to the first album. And after listening to Alpha and Astra, I was like, wow, John sounds a little bit different. And I just thought it was the age thing. But I think, you know, that may be part of it as well, just, you know, where he was on the first album. You know, I, and and I I had really, you know, I always liked Asia. Asia was great and everything else, and I knew, you know, John Wetton was that. But what really got it for me was several years, probably 10 years ago, time flies, Ken, when you got me on to the Steve Hackett solo stuff. Oh, and the, the first one that I, because you had told me that, you know, Steve Hackett had done this album where he was, you know, revisiting some of the Genesis stuff and, and you know, it had a great band. I ended up, I bought the wrong thing first and I ended up buying the live album. and But Wetton performs on that and it's just, it's exceptional. And that oh, was sort of yeah, Hackett puts together like teams, out of this world teams. He, he just spares no expense. He yeah, he's paying out of pocket. He's never making a dime. He's just bringing in everybody. <laughs> Flights, man. God bless Steve Hackett. So, yeah. so yeah. When we talk about um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, do you guys want to just run down the the, the track listing quickly on uh, on Asia just for grins and giggles and see where it goes? Sure. sure. But first, I'd like to just mention that Mike Stone also produced the White Snake album. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> there you go. 
he didn't produce Blue Murder too, did he? I didn't see it on the credits. Okay, I came across Blue Murder somewhere in the in the research for this recently, and I don't remember where or how. Oh, what were we doing? Going through the uh, the A's yeah, we're track listing. Just run through the track list quickly for fun. So yeah. heat, of the, heat of the moment, obviously, you know, um, you know, big uh, big single, you know, massive sort of opening, very straightforward. Um, Only time will tell and Soul Survivor. Really, those three. It's like a, you know, it, it's a one, two, three right out of the gate. Just kind of putting it all out there saying this is what you're dealing with um time again paul you and i had discussed this you know several weeks ago in yeah. regards of who's singing there um you know is that is that steve sharing lead with with uh with yeah Ben's? you mean you mean one step closer right yes oh, yeah because someone gets on my nerves that's got yeah, to be this is not for you know the level of, of musicianship going on here. This is not really terrifically tight vocals right here. Yeah, there you go. I mean that sound. You're right when you say that this album could have been recorded two years ago. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some funny business going on. On one step closer, but it is a great song. If you can get past that, it didn't really bother me when I was twelve. I got to tell you, yeah. So uh, and then you know, cutting it fine. Something about that hook doesn't really work with me. That's a weird one. And and Howl's actually got a writing credit with Wetton and Downs on that. So I feel like whenever Howl stuck his fingers in Asia, it came out weird. <laughs> well, that that may have. What been what caused the split between How and Wetton? I don't know. Um, so One Step Closer is weird. Time Again. Now, Paul, you and I keep being at cross purposes as to which one is, is Machine Messiah 2.0. So well, is it Stranger. Is it? Yeah. yeah okay. here's, the, here's the intro to Wildest Dreams. Oh, wait. Maybe you're right. Oh, it is time again. You're right, Joe. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. Time again. Yeah, that's why I, I can't do this stuff without the, the songs, right? I, apparently, I just mixed them all up. Oh. Well, I mean, you've been listening to this album since you were 12. It's okay. So so time again really becomes, you know, it, it it's Machine Messiah 2.0, which just kind of tickles my my funny bone. I mean... Drama had just been released two years earlier. Yeah, and 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 there are. <laughs> I can't believe they just lifted that intro wholesale and just hey, put it in if, here. If Steve Howe can take the, the the final epic part of Starship Trooper from his band just before Yes, then he can sure as hell do it with Asia if he wants. I guess. But it was from Yes. Not some band no one had ever heard of. Well, but nobody ever heard of that song, probably. So he probably figured it was okay. But Time Again <laughs> is just wetting and downs. There's no how on Time Again. From a uh, credit, writer's credit, you mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, so maybe... I, I, maybe... Because maybe that maybe you're right. Maybe maybe they didn't consider that actually part of time again. Maybe they just considered that was just an intro, tip a tip of the hat, if you will. Steve was in the background, like one step closer. <laughs> <laughs> he was in his own. He he didn't get the vibe of the group. He was just like writing these little. He he had like Anderson disease following him around. He was getting all light and goofy. So, yeah. And I, I feel like like Hackett kind of had a lot of that goofiness too. There's crazy parallels between Hackett and Hal. And then, um, so which one? And I was just listening to this today, and it it irks me because I had I was listening while I was working, and I had like a scratch piece of paper on my desk that I would jot down things as I was I was thinking them. And, of course, I left it on my desk, so I don't have it with me. But one of these songs, um, 
it might be wildest dreams is is that sort of the anti-war protesty type song yes it is yeah see we fight we fight for king for king and country that one yes that's the one yeah see there's something about that um and and here's the thing about asia because asia does this thing where they'll do goofy songs they'll be like you know anthony or preachy or you know whatever and i still pie into it and it on one hand, it kind of annoys me, but I really can't ever find enough to annoy me enough that I don't listen to it. Wildest Dreams is is one of those. Um, there, I guess it's the last verse that that comes in, um, talking about euthanasia or something like that. I just, right. yeah, it just it resonates with me. And talking about verse, let's I, we gotta we gotta roll back for a second because there was one thing that just amused me as I was listening to this, and that is the structure of Only Time Will Tell. Um, I think it's Only Time Will Tell. Is that the one where they actually fade out on a verse repeat? Yes, that is true. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's the weirdest way to fade out a song. I just, well, they hit they hit four minutes and 45 seconds. They had to stop. They, they couldn't join it. They didn't have to go back to the verse for another time. I mean, they, they could have done something else. It is a little weird. Um, perhaps. It's actually a really long fade, though. It's like a 30-second fade. It is. It is. It's a, it's a very, very strange structure. Yeah, because you could be in the first verse right here. But actually, it's the end of the song. Sorry. But you know, I'm not fading that out. You're right. It just it just fades right out. Like keep they're keeping they're keeping the song going. Maybe there was actually more more stuff going on, and they just cut it short. It's mm -hmm. it's yeah. Maybe Mike said enough's enough. We got to stop. Yeah. Good thing he didn't do that to the song in the middle of the night. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so wildest dreams. Um, you know, like I said, I it's 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 kind of goofy, but I like it. Um, yeah. Without you, I don't know. You know, it's it's a little it's a little yeah. over the top, maybe a little little pompous, but again, it doesn't bother me. Um, cutting it fine, and then here comes the feeling, and you know it. Throughout all of these songs, there's this sort of, you know, it, it's it's interesting how, you know, Jeff Downs will sort of come and go depending on, you know, what he feels. And sometimes he'll come in, he's got all kinds of, you know, interesting, and again, they could be really goofy sounds, but it, it kind of works. It's, I don't understand how they pulled it off, to be honest with you. I really, really don't. Oh, I, yes. thought, I thought his sounds were okay, and then they got really goofy on the second album. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, given that, you know, Jeff sort of took over the Asia property, as it were. And, you know, again, according to the stories that, that Steve tells, you know, Jeff was sort of like the last guy to come to the table. It's just, it's weird. Very, very strange. Hmm. I have so to listen to I have to listen to a snippet from Cutting It Phone. You guys can you guys hear this? I don't I can hear it. Um yeah, for me the last three songs on the self titled debut album is not um but they don't really do it for me, you know, quite honestly. I, uh, um, you know, which is fine for me. You got a nine song album, you got six songs, you know, I'm, I'm in for the two thirds. I would like to just note that, um, 
Roger Dean is back with a vengeance with the first Asia album cover. And for those playing along at home, you can go to um, rogerdean.com and you can download the cover as like a background. It is spectacular. Oh my gosh. I, and I'm glad you brought that up, Paul, because I was, you know, I had mentioned this Roger Dean video that's also out on YouTube. Um, where he goes through, and I hadn't realized that Roger Dean did a lot more than just Yes in Asia. He worked with a lot of different people, but he did specifically talk about the pyramid motif in in the Asia albums, and it was fascinating just to to hear sort of the the artist's rendition. So, you know, he he mentioned, you know, that that I guess Steve had asked him you know, to if there was something that they could do, but he didn't want anything that was close to yes. And I guess Roger Dean suggested, you know, the, the Asian dragon that he could do that. And if you as well as as the new logo. So the logo is has sort of the, the pyramid shape. And then if you look at the main image in each of the first three album covers, each one of those those images mirrors that pyramid shape with, and at the same time, each one of them is reaching out for something. So the dragon's reaching out for the ball, the eagle is reaching out for the fish, and the robot is reaching out for I don't know what. But it, when, when Dean describes this, he has very specific things that you know, sort of ideas, um, like it was like, you know, wisdom and energy and something else that these, that these three things are reaching for. It was, it was fascinating to hear, cool. hear, you know, how these, these covers came about and the fact that they were, you know, purposefully so different and all based on this idea of the pyramid. I just thought it was very, very cool. Is this the documentary that's like an hour long, Joe? Uh, maybe it's hosted by Rick Wakeman. Yeah, yeah, got it. Okay, cool. I'm gonna watch that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is awesome. We might want to put up a uh, a link to that because it's really something worth seeing. Yeah, I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add this to my notes file. <laughs> nice. I imagine Rick Wakeman describing Asia in somewhat derogatory terms. Well, thankfully, they're only talking about the artwork, so Rick Wakeman doesn't have to really talk about it. Oh, good. Because otherwise, he would have been in the band, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. There, There is a Rick Wakeman narrated... Um, he, narr he narrates a Yes rehearsal before like an acoustic gig that they have, like an unplugged gig. And it is hysterical. I mean, he is just... All he does is sit there and just mocks everyone in the band is fun yeah let's try that too we should do yes again <laughs> well we'll have to come back to the second half of them and we yeah yeah we do we've, we've got lots more yes to do oh um, that's what i'm worried about okay <laughs> <laughs> well we're gonna take a break we're gonna do other things except for paul and i this weekend um which will be you know something else entirely so I, I do want, I, I want to make the the quick point here, and then we can decide where we want to go from here. And I already made it, but I want to make it maybe perhaps a little bit stronger about the difference of Asia Steve Howe versus Yes Steve Howe. And what I find fascinating, and again, I I bookended this with Phoenix, so in. In 2008, the original Asia lineup got back together. They put out three albums. I haven't heard the other two. I only have the first one that they did. Um, and and so in the interim, obviously, Steve had gone back to Yes, had recorded a bunch of albums, including, what did they do, Paul? Open Your Eyes, The Ladder, Keys to Ascension. Was there another one before 2008? I don't remember when Fly From Here came out. I think that was yeah no that was it, yeah it was the two keys to ascension open your eyes and then the ladder yeah and, you know and and 
obviously ABWH was in there. Oh, and Union as well. Right, so, right, right. So, so Steve had done a bunch of things in the yes genre that, you know, there's a certain sort of aspect to Steve's playing in yes that it's it's funny because what always why I always felt I had to take sides in the Steve Howe Trevor Rabin thing was because within yes Steve Howe is so very not Trevor Rabin and yet when Steve Howe is in Asia there in some regards he's a lot closer to Trevor Rabin it's it's weird it's I don't know what to make of it but when Steve went back into Asia in 2008 you know he he'd been playing very similar types of things throughout the intervening years and he goes back into Asia and bloom it's it's Asia version Steve Howe again I, I just find it fascinating that, that he does that and it makes it all the more strange to me why he has such a difficult time playing owner of a lonely heart live because it's just with the exception of that one video that I sent to you guys where um, Trevor and Steve were playing together with Jeff Downs and the Art of Noise horns and, and everything else, that was yeah. like, you know, that was that was the a spectacular version of Owner that involved Steve Howe. But when, when the Steve Howe lineup has done, of Yes, has done Owner, it's just, it's never been very good. Yeah. Well, you know, I, we've said before, he's not the kind of guy that kicks on the distortion pedal and just plays root fifth power chords. You know, it's just not, not his uh, bag. And, um, but we can, we can rest, rest comfortably knowing that at least he never tried to do it as a trio on live television and sing it like he did with Rounded. <laughs> Yeah, remind me who was that? <laughs> that was Regis, Regis and Kathy Lee, I think, when they did Roundabout. Yeah, yeah, it was it was Steve, Bill Bruford, <laughs> and some other dude. Oh, and a ringer, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was rough. That was <laughs> that was back when they were doing their symphonic yes thing, which was after Union, I believe. That uh, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. That, yeah, you're right. That was that was that. I wonder if we should dig that video up there for the for the page. Maybe that will just be a little nugget we can toss in for fun sometime. Oh, I think I think yeah. I mean, when we go back to yes, whenever we get there, it'll probably be three years before we get back. Um, you know, when you get into that whole era around, um, you know, big generator, ABWH, Union, the symphonic, and then talk. Yeah, there's there's a lot of weird stuff going on in that time. Yeah, it's true. True. Rick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's going to be a lot of good stuff that um, will boggle the minds of many of us, I'm sure. Well, I think you will think it's great. I have the impression that Ken maybe isn't so excited for that. <laughs> so, yeah, not talk, for sure. Okay, um... um, um uh, are we are, are we discussing the jump from the first Asia to the second Asia? Well, I, I was going to say I, 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 you know, you had four topics. I don't know. I haven't kept track how many we've talked about. No, I, have, I see. I see two paths forward right now from where we are, and that is going through the progression of Asia albums, just sort of covering this immediate um, area. And then um, the other the other thread is all of the personnel connections that occur throughout all of this. But I'm I'm happy to go through the the early catalog, just kind of touching on it to the extent that we want to. I don't know that we need to go really really in depth, but there are some interesting sort of developments I think in the first three or four albums that might be worth talking about. Let's do it.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. We hope you've enjoyed this ongoing discussion of the adventures of Steve Howe and Jeff Downs. Progressive Palaver is, as always, available on iTunes and Google Play. We are hosted on SoundCloud, and you can probably find us on any number of other apps and websites that allow you to find the podcast that you like to hear. We invite and encourage all of your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns um, about this or any of the other albums that we've discussed or albums that we have coming up. You can reach us on Twitter at progpala. You can email us. Uh, our email address is progpala at gmail.com. And we are also available on Facebook and Instagram. Both of those are Progressive Palaver. We also have a YouTube channel. Um, I think you can also find that under Progressive Palaver. And we look forward to talking with you next episode when we continue with the first part of the Asia catalog as we consider Alpha and Astra and a little bit of Aqua. 